Welcome to the Gaining Momentum Podcast with your hosts, Abby and Megan. This is the podcast where we try our best to parent our kids for the world we want them to grow up in and the world we live in now. another episode of Gaining Momentum. We are so excited to be back. We took a little break from recruiting. Nope, from recording, not recruiting. Well, recruiting members <laughs> We're of the community. always recruiting. <laughs> and recording episodes um, because we had banked a few episodes and now we're back bringing you the back half of the season. Guys, this is our halfway episode. I know, it's so exciting. And we shared on Instagram this week that we've had hit our thousand plays mark, which was like, a really big deal and felt really like something to celebrate for sure so we did kind of do a little shout out thank you to our listeners and those that have been supportive um since we started this thing back in july and we just wanted to say another big thank you um here and just really celebrate our community that we're starting to grow which is incredible yes and that post, if you're looking at it when you're listening to this, that post will have been from two weeks ago. You'll see the little 1K for where we <laughs> have reached our 1,000 plays, which is kind of overwhelming, really, that, that people have pressed that play button a 1,000 times on the stuff that we're putting out. And um, yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Thank so, you. Meg, mm-hmm. how are you? I'm okay. I'm really, really glad that we're talking about what we're talking about today. I feel what like are we I talking need about it. today? We are talking about parental mental health today. So um, we are hearing lots from our community that this is a topic that we need to dig into. We're hearing lots from ourselves that this is a topic (laughs) we need to dig into. This might just become like an hour and a half long therapy session, which cool. Yeah, I feel like 2020 is just like the year of like really pulling back the veil and then like throwing gasoline on the fire of everyone's mental health and wellness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is a topic that lots of folks are exploring, but we definitely wanted to do it here in our Gaining Momentum community as well and really focus on like, you know, the impact as parents and um, folks that are responsible for little people in the world. And how we're doing with that. <laughs> yes. And also, this episode will be going up, I believe, October 15th, which means we will be right in the middle of Mental Health Awareness Month. Amazing. Yeah. So good. And we'll be, you know, on our up on our social media spaces, um, the one, I guess, Instagram, <laughs> uh, you know, like putting out resources and talking a lot about mental health this month. I mean, we always are, but yeah. we're really digging in today and throughout this month. But before we do that, I uh, wanted to ask you, Meg, what, if, yeah. what t- are the last two podcasts that you've been listening to? Ooh. And are they for fun or for research or for both? It's funny because like I always am like, oh, it would be really funny if somebody just like looked at what I'm listening to the last because sometimes they can be like really divergent, mm-hmm. <laughs> like like a gossip pod to like, you know, a really serious like political pod. Oh, when you said divergent, I assumed you meant that book series with the oh. movie that starred <laughs> Shailene Woodley. I think the book no. was by Veronica Roth. And I was going to say, meh, okay. no 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 not that I mean I I'm sure I could get pulled in by that I'm a sucker for good YA good dystopic YA but (laughs) that's young adult fiction for anyone that doesn't know what am I listening to I okay so I love this uh series right now that I've gotten into called American Hysteria Ooh, and it's amazing it's like these really well researched and like thoughtful critiques of different moments of like public hysteria in American history and sort of like through lines of hysteria. So different topics are things like uh, Stranger Danger and like- Oh um, God, do you remember Stranger Danger? That was the buzzword of our childhood. Totally. And like, just like unpacking that satanic panic of the Mm -hmm. 80s, Um, you know, other stuff. Like they like unpack the Blair Witch Project, like urban myths and like um, Slender Man. Like, but it's really thoughtful and the critiques are really like human in their themes. It's more of like a critique of like, you know, us and our culture and why we get, why we find that these hysterias happen and what they're really reflecting mm-hmm. um so i just i listened to one on killer clowns <laughs> oh cool 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 cool, yep. cool 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 and then um so then my other pod oh i know what i listened to i just listened to a great episode of brene brown's podcast for those of you who don't know brene brown is sort of like a thought leader social worker um self-help self-care kind of professional 
um, speaker and researcher, and she has a podcast called um, Unlocking Us. But her latest episode, she just did some like sharing around like what she's thinking about right now. Mm-hmm. And one of those things was RBG, which we did talk about on our mini. We're all thinking about. Yeah, well, for yeah. sure. And then the other piece was on an article that she had read that really mixes well with what we're talking about. An article that she kind of unpacks that was about how our surge capacities are depleted. So we'll dig into that when we get into our discussion. But I just listened to that episode and it was, and um, this idea of ambiguous loss. Okay. And so that sounds pretty interesting. That was the episode from September 23rd, if anyone's looking for it, I Ooh, believe. Good, good memory. Yeah, yeah I don't know. One. My mind is full of things that it doesn't need to be full of, which <laughs> we will also get to in our therapy session today. Yes, I'm so excited for therapy today. I am too. <laughs> Tell me what you're listening to. What are the last two things you listen to? Well, if somebody were to crack open my Spotify right now, the last two things I'd see that I listen to, um, The Big Picture, it's a ringer Ooh. podcast, just where they talk about movies. Nice. And the episode that I was listening to was the 2012 movie draft. So they're just talking about like what movies, their favorite movies from 2012. That's very specific. A ton to talk about with current movies. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, it's very specific. They do like every year. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Or at least they've been doing that more since the pandemic started and they're aren't really movies to go see anymore. I know a bit of a bummer, but anyway, the podcast isn't, it was interesting for if anyone's a movie buff. And then the other podcast I've been really digging into lately is Song Exploder. Ooh, what's that? Uh, It's where they talk about songs. Like they'll pick a song and then they'll do like a deep dive with the songwriters and kind of talk about how that song came to be and what it means. And like, they really get into it. So like the last episode that I listened to, uh, they were talking about the song Honey, not Mariah Carey, Honey Robin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You saw me like little thought bubble, like pop-up yeah. video style. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no, no, not that one. <laughs> but yeah, so it's really interesting and they have all kinds of music. The one I'm waiting to dig into, um, they talked to, I think his name's Ludwig Gorenson. He was the composer of the score for Black Panther. Ooh, and so they cool. did a reissue of that after Chadwick Boseman passed away. And mm-hmm. so I've been like holding on to that one, just like waiting till I'm in the right headspace to really dig into that and revisit that score. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. Those are two new ones that I'm going to have to pick up on. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and without further ado, should we get into it with mental health today? Yeah, let's do it. This one is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty thematic, like I mentioned, for the year. But Abby, why did we feel like within our first season run at this point in the season, we needed to talk about parental mental health? Well, because this is a parenting pod and <laughs> mental health plays, I feel like, into every day as a parent. There are ups, there are downs. It's a real roller coaster ride of emotions and just different head spaces and things can turn on a dime. And I think it's important to talk about it because parenting's hard. Life mm-hmm. in general is hard and mental health. I will, I can talk about mental health all day, every day. I, Cause I just think it's not talked about enough. And I think mm-hmm. it's one of those things where the more you talk about it, the less stigmatized it will be. And that can only make things better for everyone. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like we're starting to do a little bit better about talking about mental health, mm-hmm. but even sometimes still, it does, it does still feel like sometimes it's a lip service kind of discussion, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. we know we're supposed to care about this and make space for it and destigmatize, but you know, it still can be very deeply felt that mm-hmm. it's not a topic that we can be really frank and open about in terms of and where we're at. And I should probably drop in here because for mm-hmm. anyone who's listening that doesn't personally know me, which I feel like is a few people if we have a thousand listens of that or my parents are just like spending a lot of time listening to episodes <laughs> over and over. Mine too. <laughs> but my background, I have a master's degree in developmental psychology. So I find mental health and psychology incredibly interesting. Yep, for sure. Resident expert. Um, well, okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is like um, really helpful to have, um, yeah, have a conversation on my end anyway, really helpful to have a conversation with you about this because of that expertise um, and the things that, that um, you know, that you, you do know. And on my end, um, I don't have the same uh, professional credentials and academic credentials around mental health, but one of the things that I have been doing for the last few years in my um, paid work 
is doing like mindfulness and mental health awareness stuff with kids that I work with in schools. So I'm learning with them at the same time and learning from like the people in my life that I know that have so much knowledge, such as yourself, Abby. Well, thank um, you on how to do that and how to, um, that's a whole other episode though. I think talking, you know, talking to our kids about mental health and. Oh yeah. Um, today it's just about the parents. Today it's just about, about the grownups. It's just about us today. Cause we got to put our air masks on first, right? Before <laughs> we can, uh, it's such a cliche, but it's so accurate. <laughs> yeah. Put your air masks on before you're able to assist anybody else. Totally. I think it's important to say too, like, yes, that's my academic and, um, occupational background, but at the same time, mental health, like you don't need to be an expert to talk about mental health. Mental health is relevant for every single person on this planet. And so everybody needs to be able to talk about it in whatever vocabulary they have available to them to be able to discuss it. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. It's such a good point. You don't have to, it's like the other things that we've talked about. You don't have to know everything and be an expert to want to try and want to um, create that space for yourself to learn and grow. Even when it's like, this is a real like introspective topic, right? We're looking at ourselves and looking inward. Some of those other topics require that too, that we've tackled, Mm -hmm. but um, we're really looking inward in this. Yeah. I feel like every topic is sort of another way to us for us to get in touch with a part of ourselves and get vulnerable like race and racism was personal gender i felt vulnerable in that i feel quite ignorant about that topic but i wanted to still be able to discuss and learn and so it's sort of you know it's always a bit vulnerable admitting when you don't know something yeah absolutely and then today i just i find mental health fascinating and i just want to talk to everybody out there about it all of the yeah. time so please hit us up on our instagram email us at gainingmom.entompod at gmail.com and i may have flubbed that so also <laughs> well, go ahead and check our show notes yeah check, <laughs> check the formal space for that <laughs> Note to self, learn email. <laughs> but Meg, yeah. what does mental health mean to you? <laughs> this is going to be the whole hour. Um, wow. Well, first of all, I just want to say that mental health, I think, is often conflated with the idea of mental illness. Mm-hmm. So I think for a long time when we've thought about mental health, we think about like diagnoses and mm-hmm. um, different you know, kinds of mental illness, Mm -hmm. which is certainly like a part of the landscape. Mm -hmm. But I think that for me, mental health at this point is not about mental illness. It's about mental wellness. So proactively trying to make sure that my brain health and my emotional health is as much of a priority as my physical health um, Mm -hmm. and that part of our well-being. And also that, you know, as parents, sometimes we prioritize the needs of our kids or other people in our life, and we don't always put ourselves, uh, our own needs first. Um, And so mental health as a parent is that sort of air mask analogy all over again. Just, I can't be uh, the parent that I want to be if my if I'm not paying attention to my mental wellness. And it's also about like um, personal forgiveness when that's not going well. And when I'm needing yeah, that could have, that's the word I was looking for, but I said personal forgiveness. So let's enter that (laughs) into the landscape, but yeah, that kind of self-compassion it's learn. It's a mental health means to me learning every day how to be okay. Yeah. And sometimes it can also mean that it's okay to not be okay. Um, yes. I'm not intentionally throwing out another plug for that Korean drama on Netflix that's called It's, it's Okay to Not Be Okay, but it's a great title of a show because it's yeah. true. It's okay to not be okay sometimes. Yeah. And so what does it mean to you with, you know, the background you come from and yeah, like obviously you've said it's a passion area for you. What does it like in a yeah, it's what does that mean to you? A passion area. It's like, I remember distinctly being 12 years old and yeah. having to write about what you wanted to do for a living. And I wrote that I wanted to be a professional women's soccer player um, and a child psychologist in the off season. Cause even then I amazing. knew women didn't get paid enough to be able to play sports full time. <laughs> that so you'd that have to be having muscle. a day job. <laughs> <laughs> but hilarious. yeah, so I've always been deeply interested in mental health. Um, mm-hmm. My parents worked in the mental health field and so I kind of just grew up thinking about it, grew up. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know if I grew up talking about it, interestingly enough. Oh, interesting. But yeah, I somehow internalized the idea of the importance of mental health. And so to me, mental health means taking care of yourself. It means, it means putting it on par with your physical health. Mm-hmm. And it means 
kind of checking in with yourself and seeing if you're okay, what's going on, making sure that you're not just living in survival mode, but being able to, yeah, being able to live your best life. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I just felt that statement in my whole body. Yeah. Survival mode. And I just want to throw out a couple definitions while you, while you did mention mental health and mental illness and how the two are often used interchangeably. So I pulled a definition because I'm a research nerd. We're just going to have to deal with that. This is going to happen more more often as I get comfortable with everybody, different sides (laughs) of myself are going to come up more. And this is the research nerd side. But according to the definition on the Canadian Mental Health Association website, mental health is a state of well-being and we all have it. Just like we each have a state of physical health, we Mm -hmm. also each have our mental health to look after. It's not just about surviving, it's about thriving. Ooh, thriving, that's the word I should use before. It's enjoying life, having a sense of purpose, and being able to manage life's highs and lows. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the other hand, mental illness is described as a disturbance in thoughts, feelings, and perceptions that are severe enough to affect day-to-day functioning. Whoa. Yeah. So, you know, the two are definitely related, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, having poor mental health does not necessarily mean that you have a mental illness. Right. And people with mental illness still do have mental health. That's important to look after as well. Ooh, I like that. That's like, that's maybe something people haven't thought about before that that's, um, yeah, to really understand those sort of together, but also apart. Yeah. But for the purposes of our discussion on parental mental health, Mm -hmm. I think we're going to be focusing more on how everybody has mental health and the importance of taking time for ourselves as parents to stay as mentally healthy as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think we're also interested in exploring like the unique ways that we experience that as parents. And then also, um, yeah, like the unique barriers maybe even that we come up against um, Mm -hmm. as we move forward in our conversation. Speaking of coming up against things, Meg, Mm -hmm. 2020. How you doing? Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Is it it's like somebody asks you how you're doing in 2020 and it almost just be, it's like, it feels like a punchline. <laughs> yeah. But I also feel like it's been, I'm honest. Like I don't yeah. always just reflexively say fine. Yeah. Such a good point. I wonder how many other people have that habit. Cause I know I do where someone's like, how are you? And you're like, pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm good. I'm fine. My entire world's falling apart and there's unprecedented cha- Oh, I, how much are you hating the world unprecedented also these days? <laughs> unprecedented challenges that are facing us globally and personally and culturally, but I'm cool. I'm living. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good point though like the the silver lining maybe is is normalizing being able to like be honest about where we're yeah. at, hey? Yeah. How are you doing? I'm here. (laughs) It's, I feel like, yeah, I always have a, like when I stop to think about it, my first thing is just to do like a major exhalation. I feel like I've been holding my breath for a lot of this year. Oof. Yeah. Let's just do that. (sighs) Do it with us people. (laughs) Let that tension go, that breath, that stuff that we're holding in our bodies. So should we kind of zoom out a bit and start with have you noticed any change in your mental health since he became a parent? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Short answer? <laughs> yes. Hard yes. <laughs> Please uh, it's elaborate. A, it's, a, it's a complicated question because I feel like I had a few challenging bouts with my mental health prior to being a parent. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, I'm grateful for those moments of like extreme anxiety and stress maybe that were in the years that were previous to you know, becoming a parent because Mm -hmm. it forced me to build some skills and actually like be able to recognize when, when I'm not okay. But I think that it's been a real, I mean, to say that there was like, there's one moment of change and then like a flip back or whatever is like not an accurate picture for me. It's just, it's a lot of up and downs, I would say, but definitely like in those early days of new parenthood, Mm -hmm. it's a real trip. It's like all of like the things that um, would affect your ability to think and process are being challenged, right? Mm-hmm. So like losing sleep, mm-hmm. um, hormones, mm-hmm. um, oh, hormones. Yeah. <laughs> frustration, fear and frustration mm-hmm. and, um, you know, like that sort of anxiety that comes with new parentdom are just like everything's just so heightened, right? You're under like a pressure cooker of circumstance. Mm-hmm. So I definitely feel like I was struggling in the first few weeks of new parentdom, but it was sort of an ebb and flow once I got comfortable with something or once I started getting more sleep or, Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, was able to like be out of my house more, which I can yeah. talk about later, like yeah. sort of return, return to like routine and normalcy. I feel like, yeah, that was, um, that helped. But then it's like with every new pivot in parenthood, sometimes I think there's an ebb and flow there for me where I find myself back in that space of overwhelm- being overwhelmed and the stakes just always feel really high when mm-hmm. you're a parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? Did it change how things felt for you? And, and your, did it bring on um, any question marks with your own mental health and wellness? Yeah. Oh, it started when I was pregnant. Mm, I don't know if you remember, yeah. but my pregnancy yeah. wasn't like lollipops and sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> You were glowing. um, Yeah, if anyone remembers me talking about that in our first episode, uh, I was very miserable when I was pregnant. I found Mm -hmm. it very hard to maintain um, positive mental health. I felt, yeah, like I felt miserable Mm -hmm. a lot of the time. So I was both like, yeah, physically sick. (laughs) Yeah. And because I find there's like a lot of, I'm a very, like, I feel at my best when I'm like moving around and moving my body. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't able to do that. So for me, there's like a real feedback loop between my physical health and my mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, so generally when one is not doing so well, then the other one will plummet as well. Mm-hmm. So during yeah pregnancy, I found that really hard. beginning of becoming a parent and still to this day I found the change I think would for me would be how much my mental health depends on my child's mental health and I'm working really hard to separate it because it's so Mm -hmm. enmeshed right now Mm -hmm. where you know like if my child's going through a rough phase and that then Mm -hmm. I find that affects my mental health Totally. And I'm trying to be able to make my mental health more, I'm trying to take back control of it for myself. Yeah. How's that going? Oh, uh, you know, wins and losses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, I can relate to that too. Actually. I didn't even, I, you, you just provided me some insights. See, I told you this is going to be a therapy session <laughs> and having a moment of insight. Um, yeah. I think that inevitably how we feel and what's happening for us is deeply tied to like the people in our life and mm-hmm like the people that we feel deeply connected to. But there is something to be said for, again, like, you know, kids are going to have their ups and downs. Kids are going to kid. They're going to kid hard. And especially kids that are rad and complex and, you know, have a lot going on mm-hmm. for themselves. Mm-hmm. That's a clinical term, rad and complex, <laughs> just in case anyone's wondering. But uh, yeah, I do find the same, like w- with that, you know, we've had some like challenges at school over the years with mm-hmm. my oldest and I and I'm just noting right now that yeah uh, my mental health definitely takes a hit when we're in a rough patch mm-hmm. like I'm losing sleep I'm anxious I'm like you know I can feel it in my body that I'm mm-hmm. trying to will it to be better mm-hmm. that's a control thing too right yeah yeah like do you find that that comes up for you like just being like like wanting to fix it so that it also fixes it for you yeah oh for sure because mm-hmm. I think part of two is just like maybe our personalities, just by nature, we like to be able to problem solve. Yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> and so I think, yeah, it definitely it's hard when you can't figure out a solution or you don't know when you'll be able to come with solutions. So you're just sort of, oh God, I didn't say stuck in a moment. Why am I obsessed with that YouTube song? That's gonna be a weird. <laughs> and thing I want to sing it every, every time. Episode. <laughs> God, that's strange. I'm not even a U2 fan. I mean, they're mm-hmm. fine, but anyway. love you too. <laughs> huge digression. <laughs> I also think I said that weird. I think I said U2 instead of U2. U2? How do you say it? Oh, God, you I don't know be- anymore. I'm going down a weird rabbit hole. U2, but. <laughs> this is like the perfect example. I'm being too in my own head. And- <laughs> no, you're being perfectly in your own head. <laughs> But yeah, mental health, parental mental health. There you go. When your the mind control thing <laughs> in a million directions and mm-hmm. it's just hard to sit down and focus and mm-hmm. to kind of get back to myself. Oh yeah. The word fractured keeps coming up yeah. for me while you're talking. Fractured. But, yeah. Right. When we became parents. And yeah. <laughs> I was sitting in it for a minute there. You know, and then I fractured and spiral. Like I tend to spiral as well mm-hmm. as a parent because of like, Oh, I can't fix all that. Like I'm a fixer. I want to fix it. Mm -hmm. When I can't fix something, 
I tend to, I can spiral a bit Mm -hmm. and start having like really catastrophic thinking. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to, I'm just like linking back to what you're saying about your child's mental health and your mental health. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that I initially started, like the first time I've ever had a clinical relationship with like a counselor or therapist Mm -hmm. was since becoming a parent. And it was needing to acknowledge and address this thing that was happening for me where when my child was struggling, I was having really catastrophic thinking, Mm -hmm. like, like, and just being really vulnerable and like open here. Like I would have like these thoughts, like my kid's gonna take his own life. My kid's gonna eventually be mentally ill. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like he lacks regulation or whatever, just things that were like kind of wild in the moment um, and extreme, but because I was just getting to that place of being, feeling really catastrophic. Mm -hmm. I Um, remember in one of my psych classes, I I don't know who coined it, but mm -hmm. yeah, the term that was used was catastrophizing. Ooh, yeah, that's me. Ask, ask my partner. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it does come from like a place of, and I would love to hear from listeners if this is something that you do when you, when you can't fix it or when you're not in control, which is like so much of parenting pretty much all of parenting. People have a habit of doing that because I definitely did. And I also have a history of mental illness in my family. And so there was um, sort of that piece too, where I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is genetic. Like we're in trouble. Like uh, really it was like a little kid making his way through the world and having a differently wired brain and, you know, finding out how wonderful that is and what that meant for him and, and how he needed to be existing in the world to be successful but I needed to talk to somebody in order to like because it was affecting my ability to be present and and parent mindfully being present yes yeah like my kid would have something going on in this in a particular moment and I'd be over here thinking about like the tragedy of his life yeah right yeah it's very Uh, easy to to lose the thread and end up down a rabbit hole far far from where you started And I just needed some help getting out of that rabbit hole. Like I needed some CBT. I needed some, which is cognitive Cognitive behavioral behavioral therapy therapy for anyone that doesn't know, which is a way of figuring out how to, um, I mean, you would be able to explain better, but my understanding is like recognize thoughts when they're happening and sort of like come up with um, effective and positive coping methods to be able to kind of reframe so that you're no longer being held prisoner by these thoughts and kind of just sort of like reframing. Anyway, yeah, I, I was just going to go down to like this big, long definition. Then I was like, nobody's here for it. No, we but they might people. be. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think that it can, it can be helpful to, I, I mean, I'm, you and I are both info junkies. So like, we yeah. like that. Not um, info wars though. Not, no, info, not wars. info wars. That's such a good um, thing to know about though. Like, what are some of the tools that, you know, some of these resources can provide? And that was one that was helpful for me anyway, in, during that time. Good. And good for you for asking for help and going to see a counselor. Cause I know that can be hard to, when you're kind of used to being able to fix things yourself and you want to be able to kind of control the narrative mm-hmm. and it's very vulnerable seeing a counselor because you can't hide. You can't just like oh. fix it in one day and you, it's like acknowledging that there's something happening beyond your control and that can be scary. It's also kn- knowing that you're going to pull a thread and you're going to have to look at that, you know, look at that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't necessarily know where that thread's going to lead you. No, you don't. And it's, if you know there's stuff there, it's, it can be, it takes a lot of courage to like decide that you're ready to explore that stuff and look mm-hmm. at it. Sometimes parenthood is the catalyst that is needed to get there. For me, it was, I hadn't been able to get there prior to that but being a parent and wanting to be the best parent I can be was actually like the thing that got me in the room Mm -hmm. or in my case on the zoom screen (laughs) yeah whatever it takes to get you there yeah for sure I mean hopefully yeah it's before something catastrophic and unhealthy (laughs) has occurred so good for you for getting there before it got to a point like that Oh, thanks. What about like, well, I actually wanted to share one episode that just flashed into my head. Yeah. Tell me. From when I remember a week after I had given birth mm-hmm. and I just remember like, cause I, I thought I was going to have postpartum depression. Like I was positive oh, interesting. That I was going to have postpartum depression. What made you think that? Um, just cause of how miserable I was during my pregnancy. Like I was never, I was never actually depressed during my pregnancy, but I feel like I like walked the line. Mm-hmm. Johnny Cash. Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I had put a few friends kind of on alert. Like I was like, okay, when I come home from the hospital, can mm. you please check what, check in on me? Because Ooh. I don't think I'm going to be okay. Good job. And that's powerful. And like, I was lucky in that I didn't end up with postpartum depression, but I did um, have a few instances of baby blues mm. where, yeah, where my mood plummeted. And yeah. I remember 
like one week after giving birth and we were sitting there just like at our dining table eating takeout and I mm -hmm. just remember just like sobbing uncontrollably mm -hmm. and leaking milk <laughs> mm -hmm. leaking from all of your fluid yeah, areas <laughs> I was sobbing I was leaking milk and just like trying to eat my chicken fried rice or pork mm -hmm. fried rice and just being like so sad but mm -hmm. like yeah I just felt really low and I mm -hmm. remember what got me through was that I had had a couple of friends who had had children already and knew that that was likely. And so I just remember getting a text from my one friend in particular mm -hmm. who texted me and was just like, Hey, I remember like around a week after I gave birth, like I hit a low, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. That's huge. Yeah. Just like that, that check-in, just that, like the thought that like, Oh, I'm not the only person going through this. Yeah, I'm, it's like a like, lifeline. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And like, that was like enough right there to just sort of like, kickstart me back to taking care of myself. Yeah. Do you find that when you recognize, you're able to recognize that some, there's a universality in some experience that it makes it more bearable? It depends on the experience. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can make me even more sad. Oh, yeah. Like a huge topic, like say racism, yes. that it's like universal among all people of color. Like right. that I find deeply upsetting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> you know, like- Makes like me that. really happy. I'm like, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but like, yeah, like something for that instance where I was like, oh, mm -hmm. this doesn't mean that I'm a terrible mom already. Mm -hmm. This just means that this is one of those things that happens. Yeah, maybe that's where universality is helpful is where you are having an experience that you think somehow reflects on you mm -hmm. that you're bad or that you're not doing it right or that X, Y, Z, you, 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 and mm -hmm. then to have somebody or like, you know, something become more normalized or become like, more of a we. Yeah, it becomes more of a we. And then you kind of, I find that I feel like, okay, like other people have experienced this. They have worked through it. Like there is just knowing that like for something like this specifically, there's like mm -hmm. a, a light at the end of the tunnel is a hope provider. Yes. And so for any new parents listening to the pod, mm -hmm. reach out because people like reach out to us. If you don't have anybody that you can get a hold of in your immediate life, mm -hmm. we're here and we we're will here. share stories. We will listen because it's so important to not feel alone. Cause I remember it can feel really isolating in those Oof, early days yeah. and you're in a pandemic. So it's literally oh isolating as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah. there's like, there's a lot going on. And so I think it's just, I can't tout the value of reaching out and talking or just, yeah. you know, just, just telling somebody that you need them to check on you or that mm -hmm. you just, you need a minute. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. Yeah. And I think that's what, I mean, ultimately my life goal is to normalize all the things and destigmatize all the things that are barriers in people's lives. Uh, mm -hmm. This being one of them and have, and the goal of our pod also is to have those tough conversations as parents and um, we're here for it. Mm -hmm. If people are, are feeling like they don't have, um, you know, a, a support network that they can lean on. That's part of what we're trying to do here too, is to create yeah. that community yeah. of people that, um, you know, even if they're strangers IRL um, <laughs> in real life, just in case you're wondering, I'm really hip <laughs> and cool. You know, they don't have to be strangers in your wellness journey, if that makes Ooh, sense. Ooh, I like that. Strangers in a strange land. <laughs> <laughs> but coming back to the past six months and Yes. Or, I don't know. Seven months. I don't know. I honestly, I don't know what time is anymore. So let's just what say 2020 because I think it's still 2020. Yeah, I think so. Is I'm it told. always going to be 2020? That's what my phone says. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. how has COVID-19 changed your mental health, if at all, Meg? You know what's wild is I was having a kind of a bad episode of anxiety in like January, February. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I want to reframe that. I don't want to say bad. I want to say I was experiencing significant anxiety. Good. That I, I like that reframe. Yeah. Nothing's bad or good. It just is. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I would have done to a kid if they said that. So anyway, I, um, yeah, I was, I was kind of struggling. I don't know. I don't, I can't put my finger on it exactly. It was just kind of there, you know, that sort of morning dread and elephant mm -hmm. on the chest. Mm -hmm. um, and then the pandemic hit mm -hmm. and it kind of went away. The pandemic? 
I'm just kidding. My, I wish. No. That's a terrible joke since we're still <laughs> what? in the middle of this. You can expand your circle. Um, <laughs> don't, no. guys, don't. <laughs> my dread and my anxiety like eased off. And mm-hmm. I, I uh, talked to my therapist about it. And she was saying that sometimes like that is, can happen for people when mm-hmm. like something really big happens for me, it's like perspective building in a weird way. Like I was like, okay, all that, the stuff that maybe was like putting the elephant on my chest is no longer important. Mm-hmm. Um, this is big and mm-hmm. this is going to like rock our world. Um, so at first I feel like I, I, I was in kind of an acceptance place and just sort of like trying, you know, in, when you're in an emergency also, and you're trying to survive, you kind of adapt and you're focused on like the task at hand, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like since then there's been a lot of change in our family life because of COVID like yeah. changes with work and changes yeah. with like our life. And it's definitely like at this point coming, coming back, like I'm coming, I'm finding that it's flaring up again now that we're yeah. six months in or whatever. And this is, this is it. Like we're in it. It's not going yeah. away. It's yeah. now had re- very real impacts on our life. Mm-hmm. Now we're not just surviving we have to figure out how to thrive and live Mm -hmm. and I think that's like part of that's part of it right like Mm -hmm. figuring out because I think we were all in survival mode Mm -hmm. for much longer than we would have anticipated because in the beginning we didn't know what this was it we were like okay if we all Mm -hmm. just like lock it down for a couple weeks then we're gonna be okay oh we're we're not gonna be okay oh and everywhere is out of hand sanitizer oh Mm -hmm. and now we're wearing masks where's the toilet paper exactly and it's just like one thing after another where it's just like okay we just need to get through this part and get on to the next part but then it just sort of the next part kept getting pushed farther and farther away mm-hmm. and like that that acute moment of panic mm-hmm. and just like anxiety and just like that we were all living in became our every day and that's not sustainable if you're living in survival mode survival mode isn't meant to last for years absolutely and then i think when you layer on socio political cultural context that has been a part of the last 6 months where we're um, reckoning with our cultural injustices um, mm-hmm. in a way that's also requiring people to be reflexive and mm-hmm. think about where they haven't done good enough and where they need to do better and mm-hmm. what that means for them moving forward. Yeah, you're definitely going to flare up your fight, fight, freeze, mm-hmm. right? It's just an, it's another stimulus, right, in your system that's going to potentially, you know, like, trigger anxiety or trigger stress, um, all necessary and important. And like, we need to be doing that. But, um, I don't know, for me, that's definitely added to the experience of this last six months for sure. And I'm wondering if it has for other people as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been, I'm like, I honestly, I know this probably is just like how I'm coping where Mm -hmm. I just don't have a relationship with time anymore. Yeah. And I feel like that first started when I became a parent where (laughs) I remember I asked a bunch of friends who had kids for advice Mm -hmm. leading in. Like, I was like, what do you wish you knew what before, what do you wish you could unknow? And I remember (laughs) one of the things a friend told me was just that time changes where like the days are long, but the, I think it was like the days are long, but the years are short. Yeah. I've heard that. And I feel like we're back into that now because mm-hmm. now like it just yeah I don't know what time is and I think that's maybe one of the th- ways my mental health has changed where I find it very mm. hard to sort of plan stuff mm-hmm. because I have no concept of time if you asked me what I did yesterday I'd probably give you an answer and then realize that was six months ago because yeah. like I just don't have that ability to gauge it anymore so I think like that's been a change for me mm-hmm. and also just sort of feeling cooped up I remember feeling very cooped up and at the beginning when everything was locked down and it was so much uncertainty and we didn't know what was happening. And I just like, I felt, yeah, like intense cabin fever. And then for me, what that looks like is I, like, I feel like I can't breathe. Like, I feel like I have trouble like taking in a deep breath. Like mm-hmm. all the air is just like coming, gone like whooshed out of me. And I just, yeah. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that would be like, yeah, that's my body's kind of panic response. Mm-hmm. or anxiety response. And so there was a lot of that in the beginning. And then mm-hmm. as things kind of started to open up again, it was like a measured amount of relief mm-hmm. because I also was like, yes, but then you also have to worry about, yes, there's the measured amount of relief, like things are opening up again, but for how long? Mm-hmm. 
because everything's saying that this isn't going away and it's going to come back mm-hmm. and the next wave. And then it's sort of also just like having to pay way more attention to other people than I would like to in ways that yeah. I don't necessarily want to like, Oh, am I far enough away from that person? Oh, we're in the grocery store. Why are you standing so close to me without a mask on? Yeah. Yeah. That's an, I want, there's so many like interesting phenomenon that I think is going to emerge out of this moment. That being one of them, just the way that we orient ourselves to other people. Yes. Well, already Uh, even just like watching movies and TV shows, I've like got COVID mentality watching them where I'm like, why are they standing so close to each other? Why are you shaking that person's hand? And then I'm like, oh, right. All of this wasn't created in the last six months. Like (laughs) I'm just viewing it through that lens. This is the thing. It's like cultural emergencies or like, disasters or um you you know moments of reckoning can change like public psyche right mm-hmm. like I, um, I have similar examples in my head around like 9-11 mm-hmm. where you would watch something you know from like the late 90s or even like earlier and somebody would move through an airport in a particular way and you'd be like <laughs> how can they even like like watching Home Alone is like the big example. Lost <laughs> in New York. I was just thinking of that when example. When he <laughs> he just bolts through the airport, no security, no nothing. Like you know, it did change. It changes the public psyche, right? It changes mm-hmm. the way that people think about safety. And obviously, there's lots to unpack about like false narratives of safety. And but it does. There is this sort of shift in like public psyche, and I think we're definitely going to see that in this COVID moment. Like you were talking about thinking about other people spatially, and then. Um, like you're, even though what you're saying there about time, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden we have like this different orientation to time and work and where we, where we spend our time even. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's folks who will never go back to an office after this, which is wild. Like it could completely restructure how we live our life. Mm -hmm. That's a lot to digest for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. And for me, well, like one of the things, like I mentioned before, just sort of like being active is mm-hmm. critical for my mental health. But like one of the ways I like to do that, like just like go for hikes or like long walks, like just being outdoors. Mm-hmm. And so now I've had to change that because like, yes, I can still go outdoors, but then there's all the d- other considerations that come into play. Like mm-hmm. for instance, where can I go that there won't be a ton of people around? Because now right. I need to consider like crowds. Where mm-hmm. can I go? Like, do I have my mask when I'm leaving the house? Mm-hmm. And I just sort of, it's not just like, okay, I'm heading out and just like grabbing my keys and hit, and like going. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's so many other things that come into consideration where I'm I'm starting to try to kind of balance what's worth it to me. Ooh, yeah. Some people maybe even had that experience when they first became a parent, mm-hmm. when they were first trying to get out of the house with a, a newborn. It's like, I remember, I, I would force like, myself. Diapers, wipes, totally. this, that, 10 million things. Change of Can clothes, blanket. Like, yeah, before you know it, it's like you literally have like four suitcases leaving the door, but... <laughs> Um, there's just all of a sudden you have to like think you have to be more thoughtful when you leave your house. And mm-hmm. there's sort of been like an additional layer of that in this COVID moment. Like, mm-hmm. do we have the sanitizer? Do we have the wipes? Do we have the masks? Yeah. It's kind of interesting. It's, it's like another, it's another pivot with like how we move through the world. Mm-hmm. Parenting can be one. It's pretty major changes mm-hmm. that for us. Global pandemic can be another one. <laughs> yeah. Racial reckoning, environmental reckoning. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a big, it's a big time where there's a lot. It's a lot. And we'd love to hear from our listeners too, how, how folks have been managing in this tricky moment. Yeah. You cool if we just take a quick second, to take a, uh, take a deep breath. Let's do it. I need one. hop back into our mental health discussion we wanted to just continue taking a little breather and jump into our momentum shout out what do you have for us meg okay well this is a monumental moment because it's our first celebrity shout out and it's actually a couple that we wanted to shout out today we wanted to send a huge momentum shout out out there to gabrielle union and Dwayne wade (laughs) yeah we are forever inspired, forever impressed, um, and moved by both of them as individuals, but Mm -hmm. also as uh, them as a team uh, in their parenthood. Yes. Um, They have been 
very public and very vocal about supporting their child who identifies as transgender. And I think we need to realize how powerful it is for somebody like Dwayne Wade to be like a very visible advocate for inclusivity and gender diversity yeah as superstar, a superstar like hall of fame professional well future hall of fame yeah professional athlete totally who, yeah a black man yeah for sure like coming out of what we you know a lot of pro sports culture is like super hyper masculine and mm-hmm. um at times homophobic transphobic and so um it's amazing to have a role model like that as a parent and the way that he and gabrielle are also just like being vulnerable about their learning curve and talking mm-hmm. about it and mm-hmm. really like allowing people to see into their world and into the like imperfection that is family life. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like goals as far as like their love for each other and their family. Yeah. Really and I just really like, like they were very transparent in the holes in their knowledge. And so mm-hmm. they were like, when Zaya was coming out as transgender, they mm-hmm. were like, you know what? We didn't know. So we went to people who do. Totally. And they just started learning. So they that modeled they could what that be, looks like. Yeah. So that they could be there for her in, in whatever way she needed them to be. Yeah. And they're hilarious with their littlest daughter. I don't know if anyone follows on Instagram, but yeah. um, just like a lot of levity in what they put on the table as well. And like, come on, I've been a Gabrielle Union diehard since Bring It On. So to see her blossoming <laughs> in this really influential way. Yeah, and their parenting journey even, like, she's been very upfront about the journey to to motherhood. Well, she's been mm-hmm. a stepmom for years, mm-hmm. but just all of the number of miscarriages that she experienced and their infertility battle and just, like, their battle, um, their, like, there was a battle for them to become parents. They had to fight hard for mm-hmm. to, to get their daughter, Kavia, and I think it's just been really admirable the way that they're using their voices to mm-hmm. speak out on these things so that again people don't feel alone yeah totally so shout out to them we will keep following and keep learning and keep being inspired by everything they're doing in their family and as parents and now that we're back we wanted to kind of roll into what's naturally been going on from what we've been talking about a term called burnout So for anybody who is unfamiliar with burnout, it is a state of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion caused by excessive and prolonged stress. So it seems very appropriate to discuss (laughs) that in this moment of prolonged stress that we are all living in. Mm -hmm. Uh, With that definition in mind, Meg, do you think you've ever experienced burnout? Yeah, for sure. Again, hard yes. I'm done talking now. How about you? No, I'm, um, yeah, I definitely have. Um, it's funny because I've had burnout in different like periods of my life. And so uh-huh. it's just also interesting to see like sometimes I think like, oh, would that, would that burnout that happened then still happen now? But maybe that's like not the right way of thinking about it. It's almost like I'm in competition with myself to be like, would I still burn out with that happening? Um, but yeah, I've had a few instances where like, I think burnout would have been the right term to use. Mm-hmm. And what about specifically around parenting? Yeah, for sure. Like, honestly, I think this summer was probably the first time that I feel like I experienced like real parental burnout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the culmination of the moment we were living in and, you know, like trying to manage school and a preschooler that's in the house and just everything we've already addressed, mm-hmm. creating that sort of like exhaustion. What about you? Have you ever had it oh, in your life? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like I, like in the last six months, I've definitely experienced burnout more regularly than mm-hmm. I would have in a pre-pandemic world, mm-hmm. um, especially just like emotional exhaustion. I've been experiencing a lot of emotional exhaustion. I think like, again, we we mentioned intersectionality. It's hard to tease apart the different parts of my identity and what's causing the burnout. But, Mm -hmm. you know, like as a black woman, every time that there's a moment of racial reckoning, Mm -hmm. then like it becomes my emotional resources become depleted. Mm -hmm. And with parenting, there's no, I don't think it's possible to be a parent and not burn out or not experience moments of burnout. Yeah. How do you, and then as a woman, just mm-hmm. sort of 
we can talk a little bit more about this, but just the <laughs> emotional labor that comes with being a woman. We've heard uh, from a few uh, members of the Gaining Momentum community already, just sort of about emotional labor and mm -hmm. wanting to unpack that and sort of what that means. And emotional labor, when you're carrying a huge emotional labor load, then that can lead to burnout too. And again, there's a pandemic going on. So that's stress on top <laughs> yeah. of stress on top of stress. Yeah, absolutely. For you, when you are experiencing burnout, how, like, how do you know it? Well, for me, what does burnout look like for me? I become much more impatient. Mm -hmm. Like I just don't have time for anything. Like I just, I can't, mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess would be the sums of that. Mm -hmm. And I also find when I'm heading towards burnout or in a period of burnout, mm -hmm. the day becomes just sort of a long to-do list for me. Right. And so I just feel like everything I'm doing in the day is just like, just trying to get another task done, check another thing off the list. Or as it might be the same things I'm doing, not in a period of burnout, but I just experience it differently as just one more thing that's on my plate that I'm just trying to get done as mm -hmm. opposed to just like, okay. And then we did this and like, that was cool. And that was fun. But I'm like, all right, like, I guess we got to go do this. And then mm -hmm. I guess we got to go do that where things just become more tedious and onerous and things just feel harder and more like, have to do's instead of want to do's. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're explaining joylessness a little bit. Like there's just sort of like a, what could have been fine at another mm -hmm. time becomes like a long list of things that are joyless. And yeah. And that, that's like what burnout is, right? Like mm -hmm. it does not always the same ingredients that lead to burnout every time. Really good point. It kind of links to what I was saying before about in different moments of my life, there's like different recipe for what is causing, um, burnout in a particular moment. Mm -hmm. Like at the beginning of the pandemic, our, your youngest and my child are the same age. And so I just mm -hmm. felt like I got burnt out on trying to keep my child occupied. Mm -hmm. Like I just felt like I was like, okay, we are at home together a lot more. Like just trying to get work done from home mm -hmm. was stressful. And then trying to explain to my child what was going on in terms that they'd be able to understand mm -hmm. and then also just like needing a minute and I, I've mentioned that before like mm -hmm. I to refill my tank I need to have time to myself and that was yeah. hard to do when we were all in the same space all of the time with like no end in sight especially in the very beginning when we did not know like what we could do so we were all like really just at home mm -hmm. and yeah so I definitely burned out there trying to come up with activities and like preschool friendly things and just sort mm -hmm. of yeah, like I felt like a day camp counselor, mm -hmm. except I wasn't getting paid and I didn't get to go home. <laughs> and you didn't agree to be a day camp counselor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like some people will be like, well, that's just parenting. Yes, no. but that's parenting without the resources that were usually available that I would use as part of my parenting. Yeah. And I sort of hate that response because it understands parenting in a very particular way to be like very individual mm -hmm. and like centered on you as like the center of your child's support network, which mm -hmm. is, is true. However, I think that we know and understand that it takes a village as a mm -hmm. statement for a reason. And, you know, like historically kids thrive in their village, right? Mm -hmm. And they thrive with the support of all those other pieces where we've, I, you know, there's, I, there probably is an example, but I can't think of another time where parents had to be solely responsible for everything. Mm hmm. And that's the thing, right? Like, especially in the beginning of the pandemic when everything was closed and mm -hmm. we didn't, and like, there's just not enough information. And so like, that's scary Uncertainty. in and of itself. And my child asks a lot of questions <laughs> and I didn't have a lot of answers. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, sort of, I felt like I was failing my kid because I couldn't mm -hmm. do anything really to alleviate the fear. And then mm -hmm. obviously like my child's picking up on my anxiety of not knowing what's going on. And then we're in a small, well, like smallish space together. And it's mm -hmm. constantly just like, okay, now let's do this. Now let's do that. We're normally like, we have like a very like outdoor life. And we're also like generally quite social. Like very, we do mm -hmm. like a lot of seeing friends and not just looking at each other all day long. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And so yeah, like I am, um, yeah. To answer your so, question, yes, I've experienced burnout. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it it's it's like that. It's like finding in that moment, like you're trying to be 
you're trying to find distractions, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, because there is a lot of anxiety all the way around and we don't have all the answers and we don't want to create alarm for little people. Yeah. I was finding like, just that I was like trying to create distractions and yeah, sort of like put on a dog and pony show all day long in order to, everything's fine. Everything's fine here. Yeah. (laughs) You know how I know I have burnout? How? Is when I wake up with dread for Mm. the day ahead. Mm -hmm. It's kind of happening for me right now. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Like I, like I mentioned one of the, like my body signals is chest heaviness. Like you were talking about like not being able to get a full breath. Mm-hmm. For me, it's sort of similar, but it's more like there's just like, it's like an elephant sitting on my chest. Mm-hmm. And when you wake up and like you already feel that dread <laughs> for mm-hmm. the day ahead, mm-hmm. it's hard. It's hard to get excited. It's hard to get motivated. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know I'm experiencing burnout when I'm like, I can't wait to be right back here. <laughs> yes. Where like you're just doing what you need to do to try to get through the day. Yeah. And there's nothing about the day ahead when I think about it, except for like little moments of joy. For example, jumping on and recording a podcast with my favorite person. <laughs> I um, thought you were going to say going for walks with your new dog. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's we're gonna, when we talk self-care. <laughs> I have a strategy. <laughs> get pets. It kind of relates to your checklist thing. It's like, okay, let's get breakfast. Let's get everybody dressed. Let's yep. like... You know, it just, it's sort of like you're moving through the motions and you're sort of numb, but also feeling very heavy. That's, yes. that's my indicator. I also like lose my appetite when I'm burnt out. So it's like really weird, like physical connection. I can't, I don't know. I can't eat very much. And then mm-hmm. that has an impact. It's just all like really connected. Mm-hmm. And then that's also where we need to check in too, right? Because mm-hmm. um, that's like where you kind of get the point and counterpoint of mental health and mental illness. And Mm -hmm. so like that burnout could easily be um, symptoms of depression for some people. And so it's important to like check in with yourself and check in with other people just to make sure that Mm -hmm. you're not, well, really both because burnout and depression both need help and they both need to be addressed Mm -hmm. to be able to return to being as healthy as possible. Can I ask you a question that you, not to put you on the spot, (laughs) but I am, I'm genuinely curious because it's something I've been thinking about on a personal level. Like what is that sort of key distinction between I'm experiencing burnout right now and that needs certain kind of response versus like I'm experiencing potentially like a clinical depression and that requires a different kind of response. Wow. Is that too, is that a, am I putting you on the spot too much? I just, I'm not uh, sure. no, it's fine. I'm just going to Google to double check my answers. Cause yeah. <laughs> normally I would just like start talking and that would be fine. But this is the sort of information that I want to make sure that I get right. I well, they're really similar, like a lot. Okay. So mm-hmm. while I'm waiting for my page to load, cause apparently my bathroom doesn't get sorry. Wifi. <laughs> You're so funny. You are such a research nerd. I would just be spewing whatever came to me right now. You're so mindful. So <laughs> Like a lot of it with um, like getting diagnoses, it comes Mm -hmm. down to kind of the period of time that you're experiencing it and how it's affecting your day-to-day functioning. Mm -hmm. So for instance, we talked about burnout before it was um, the emotional, I don't even remember what I said before. Exhaustion. Yes. Emotional exhaustion, emotional Mm -hmm. exhaustion, physical exhaustion, prolonged periods of stress Mm -hmm. and depression isn't necessarily linked to a specific like context. Yeah. Like there's not something that's necessarily something that triggers it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wondering if like burnout can turn into depression though, if it is prolonged and you and, and people aren't, you know, able to refuel their tank and sort of, um, you know, do what they need to do to, uh, move past burnout. Yeah. Like you could, I think you can live in like a period of prolonged burnout, mm-hmm. but, um, So like uh, depression affects your social, occupational, and everyday functioning. Gotcha. So it kind of affects all areas of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. Please. I think I was just like, the reason I ask is because it's something I've been hearing from people where they're like, I don't know if I'm just like burned out and this, it's like this wild moment or if I'm really experiencing like a clinical moment. So I, I just thought that might be like an interesting thing to maybe what we'll do is we can put some resources up for people to de- find that distinction. Mm-hmm. I guess like that's key, right? Like burnout, you can, you can refill your tank. Yes. Okay. You can step away and you can refill your tank and then be mm-hmm. good to go again. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, yeah, like 
because you know like you're exhausted so when you're mm-hmm. not exhausted anymore like when you are able to replete your resources i know you can deplete is replete a word <laughs> absolutely speaking of gabrielle and that <laughs> makes me think of 10 things i hate about you when they're like i know you can be overwhelmed yeah. Like, can you just be simply whelmed? You can be underwhelmed, but can you be whelmed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so. Can you just be pleated? <laughs> <laughs> so like burnout can be like due to like a stressful lifestyle and extreme pressure mm-hmm. and just sort of like there are precursors. Like there are things that you can point to as the cause for your burnout. Yes. Okay. Got it. Once again, let's pause for momentum. Reset. Can you lose something that's already lost? Time, patience, sense of direction. Constantly being pulled from here to there. No moments of my own to marshal my thoughts. Can I trust what's in there anyway? Run down, overwhelmed, burnt out. Silently screaming for a lifeline. Desperate for a pause button. A way to reset before beginning again. So much gained but so much lost. Time, patience, sense of direction. Ask for help, I dare you. The fear of being unsalvageable, an unshakable sense of foreboding. Arms rise up to catch you, determined not to let you fall. Tears spring up unannounced, welcome. The kindness brings me to my knees, but I must stand because I cannot lose more. Time, patience, sense of direction. That concludes part one of our conversation on parental mental health. We'll see you in two weeks for part two. If you like what you just heard, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you find podcasts. Gaining Momentum is written, produced, and edited by Abby and Megan. With music by Evan Dysart. And podcast art by Catherine Katja. And a special thank you to our podcast mentor, Belle, from the podcast, Thirst World Problems. Thanks, Belle. Thanks, Belle. And if you want to find any more info on any of their work, please check out the links in our podcast description.